This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi there, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 341, recorded on Monday, October the 23rd, 2017. Thanks for joining me today, Jason. I understand you're a little bit under the weather in more than one ways. I am a disaster. I am a <laughs> drugged up disaster. Well, I maybe you're not a totally <laughs> drugged up disaster, but uh, what's wrong? You got a cold? I have a cold, which I t- have taken medication for, and that's making me uh, a little lightheaded and a little weird. And uh, I threw out my back yesterday, so I'm taking uh, back medication as well, which is making me a little lightheaded and a little weird. So I feel like crap, uh, but at least I am taking enough drugs where I shouldn't operate heavy machinery, like drive or do a podcast. Okay, well, I hope you can stumble your way through this somehow. It is weird to see you lying on your back on the floor doing the podcast because of the... <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Yeah. Almost. All right. Well, I hope you are feeling better soon, but it's a big deal. It's a big podcast this week because, of course, The Walking Dead Season 8 has now started, and we're here to talk about the first episode, the big season premiere. Mm. Uh, but I want to do a couple of things before we dive right into it, and that is, of course, welcome back Many of our listeners who don't listen to us while The Walking Dead is not on, we do cover fear, but not everyone watches fear, and I guess not everyone wants to listen to that <laughs> all the time. But uh, <laughs> So if you haven't been around in a while or you're a new listener, just welcome back and thank you so much for tuning in once again. It's great to be back doing a podcast about the main show. It is. I feel good about this. Yeah, me too. It feels like going home again. You know, they say you can never go home, but... I feel like we're going home a little bit. Yeah. Home is where the heart is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The other thing I want to talk about is that I have, for the first time in a long time, finally gotten around to mailing out some stickers, some Talking Dead podcast stickers to our Patreon supporters. Awesome. Which is very, very exciting. Now, I went back pretty far and I sent stickers to everyone that I had an address for on Patreon. So... You should be receiving them if uh, you are due. And if you don't, I mean, give it a little while. Some They're going all over the world, Canada, the United States, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Germany. Uh, so if you don't receive one and you were sort of expecting one, send me an email, but, but give it some time. I don't know how long it takes for ma- mail to get all around the world these days. Um, but send a note to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com if, uh, if you don't receive one and we'll sort it out for you. But cool. uh, otherwise, Patreon supporters look forward to some stickers coming your way. The stickers are in the mail. They sure are. <laughs> uh, also, the Talking Dead November charity push. This is something we announced last week, or charity drive. I wrote push again. We're calling it a drive? You can call it whatever you want, Chris. I really don't care. Charity. A push, in- a drive, a, an event, a, a thing. Initiative. A fundraiser. Maybe I'll uh, make it different every week. Uh, but it's it's starting up, and in case you missed it last week, here's what we're doing. For the month of November, we are going to take all of the money that we make from our Amazon affiliate links, which you can find at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. We're going to total it all up and donate it to the Canadian Cancer Society, which, you know, hopefully will be a nice 
chunk of change for them to support cancer research and stuff like that. Um, all you have to do to participate is visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. Click on the store, the Amazon store of your choice. We have Amazon stores in Canada, the United States, the UK, France, Germany, and Spain. And we will tally it all up and make a final donation sometime in December to the Canadian Cancer Society. You can shop in any store. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And for this month, we want to just give something back a little bit. So that's what we're going to do. Um, a lot of people have wrote in uh, already saying this is a great idea and that they're definitely going to participate. So we, we thank everyone who does this. I think it's a good thing. And uh, I'm looking forward to amassing a nice big uh, pocket full of money for them. That'd be great. That'd be wonderful. I'm glad that the uh, the response has uh, has been positive so far. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've even had a couple of people, um, uh, or one anyways, write in and, and say, you know, I don't do a lot of shopping on Amazon, but is there a way I can contribute a little bit anyways? And we are open to that, of course. You know, if you if you really want to, to throw some cash our way to go to a good cause, send me an email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And, and I, I totally understand if you're not an Amazon person, but you want to participate. So we'll figure out a way to make it happen. But the rest of you, visit the website and uh, go to the Amazon links and do your holiday shopping, knowing that a little piece is uh, going to go to a good cause. Yeah. Okay. I've got more stuff to talk about that's not directly related to the episode, but I'm going to save that for maybe the middle or the end of the show so that right now we can dive into The Walking Dead Season 8 premiere for this year. Awesome. Well, The Walking Dead has given us mercy by putting it back on the air. All right. That was our title read. Thank you very much, Lee from St. Catharines. If you want to hear yourself read the name of an episode on the show, just make a quick recording on your phone or your computer reading the title. You can find the titles of all the episodes, usually on Wikipedia. Just do a search for a list of Walking Dead episodes and the titles should come up. And uh, we love it. We love hearing listeners say the names of these these uh, these these. TV shows and getting them on, uh, getting them on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> the word podcast was in my brain. I'm like, no, it's not the name of the podcast. It's the name of the episode. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm getting ahead of myself there. Uh, for any new listeners, I just want to let you know that what we do here is we recap the episode. It is a detailed scene by scene recap, hopefully with some interesting commentary to go along with it. Um, we are, you know, not the only podcast that does recaps, but I think we do the most detailed recap and <laughs> some people totally dig that others not so much we hope you're into it uh but here we go are you ready jason i am super ready super ready all right so our cold open this week we start with a close-up on rick's face we cut to the cane and the flowers and uh this you know a couple of scenes we've seen before from the trailer from san diego comic-con so no surprise here but the scene doesn't play out all the way through yet uh we cut back to rick in the sun uh we see him at the alexandria cemetery and we we get shots of people working at the hilltop attaching metal to the cars so we sort of know what they're doing they're setting up whatever those cars are going to be for later in the episode but also something we saw in the san diego trailer yeah, and the metal that they're attaching to the cars basically is like a uh, a solid smokescreen because any bullets are just going to fly right through those. They're not going to stop them in any way, shape, or form. But you won't be able to see through them, so uh, it'll give you a little bit of protection. 
I guess a little bit of, yeah, a visual advantage if you're hiding yeah. behind them. But if someone just opens fire, you're generally going to get shot anyway. Yeah, they won't stop a bullet. There's no way. It's just like, him. Like any bullets? Like even smaller, less powerful weapons? Well, the thing is, if the bullet's going to miss you anyway, it might deflect it. But uh, it's like wearing a helmet. Uh, the old helmets in World War II, they didn't stop bullets. They just gave you a sense of security so that you would rush into whatever situation you're going into. Uh, basically, if you got hit in the head with a bullet, uh, if the bullet was, if the, uh, basically, if you weren't wearing the helmet and you were going to survive, the bullet would miss you. If you were wearing the helmet and you were going to survive, it would basically just be a glancing blow. They don't really, they don't really stop bullets. The Kevlar helmets that they have now, the American military has now, will stop a small caliber round, I think. Hmm. But that tin, there's not a chance in hell. So it's just making you feel better. Yeah. It's like the police police cars, when they open their doors and they hide behind them, they're not stopping bullets. Are you sure? Mostly. Are, are, I'm sure. Some police cars will have uh, will have reinforced doors that will stop bullets, but uh, generally speaking, no. Okay. But the president's car stops bullets. Oh, that thing is like, it's got like uh, four inch thick glass. Yes, that thing will stop a... Uh, We'll stop a, a rocket. Well, that thing's a it's tank. It's like a tank on, it's got solid, solid rubber tires as well. That's like a tank on wheels. Right. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Um, in that case, you know, they're attaching protective shields to their cars so they can hide behind them and feel better about themselves. Yeah. Psychological shields. And it's psycho, a psychological advantage can be a big advantage in, in a yes, fight, I would think. It can. You'd have to hide behind the engine block for anything to really be stopped. Right. Okay. Well, that's what they're doing. They're attaching the metal to the cars. And like I said, we saw this in the trailer. So we're going to find out what the deal is with all these armored cars, we will call them. Uh, but first we see Dwight, he is hanging around and all of a sudden a bolt from a crossbow appears. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's a little bit strange. Tara and Carol, we see them on the bridge again. We saw that from the uh, trailer. And then back to Rick, and he starts delivering a motivational speech to members of the kingdom and Alexandria. And basically, he's up there saying that people who want to live in peace are with them, and those who want to kill and take from everybody are not welcome. And he says, we end them. Right. And he goes on to say something like, you know, we don't celebrate it, but we don't have any shame about it either. And that was a line I really liked. Yeah. Because he's saying, you know, we're going to kill people. And if they don't fall in line with what we're doing, we're going to kill them. Yeah. We're not going to, we're not going to make a big fanfare about it, but we're also not going to be feel, feel bad about it. Right. So peace it by whatever means possible. Peace by whatever means possible. Yeah. Peace exactly. at any cost. That, that's right. And <laughs> I, I would, you know, warrant a guess that Negan may have the same outlook on the way he does things. Right. You know? Peace for me at any cost. Yeah, peace with, peace with extreme prejudice. That's right. <laughs> so uh, two sides of the same coin a little bit going on here, but one we see as a hero and one we see as a villain. Interesting. Uh, we go back to Dwight. He's writing a note and he attaches it to another bolt. He goes out to the sanctuary fence and he shoots it back to Daryl, who's waiting for a response. So these guys are having a little crossbow bolt conversation. Yeah, that's nice. Isn't that nice? <laughs> it's the crossbow telegraph. That's right. And it seemed to me a little easy for Daryl to just be like right outside and they can shoot bolts back to each other. But 
I guess the crossbows can shoot pretty far. Yep. I suppose. I mean, it's better than them sending carrier pigeons to each other, I think, so. Well, yeah. I mean, you could also tie a string to a couple of cans and, uh, you know, string them along. That actually works, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and putting a glass against the wall, you can hear through the wall. Yeah. So you just have to have the string taut. You can't, like, it can't just be loop-de-loop and stuff. But if you have a tight string, uh, try it with your daughter sometime. Tie, a, you know, to two cans, a, a string, and have it go tight. And you can uh, have somebody on different sides of the yard, like right at the front of the yard and right at the back of the yard. And I bet you they can talk to each other. Do you need any particular kind of string? No, just string tied to cans. Okay, well. Just got to make it tight. Sure, keep it taut. All right. Well, we'll... or give them each a crossbow. Either way. Oh, that's a good idea. Here you go, girls. Shoot shoot at each other with notes attached to these uh, crossbow bolts. Or lawn darts. I mean, they still have those, right? Mm, No, sadly they don't. Maybe at a garage sale you can find some lawn darts and they could do it with that. Yeah, maybe. Why not? I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, good. Uh, So Ezekiel now steps up and he speaks briefly about those who shed blood together, our brothers and sisters, and we get a, a shot of Shiva, the tiger, sitting in the flatbed of a pickup truck, I think, or yep. a truck. I thought the tiger looked amazing in that scene. To me, she looked 100% real. Uh, yeah, I agree. That was really well done this time. You know, I I think I probably have low standards for uh, for this kind of thing because I, I'm somewhat embarrassed to admit this, but watching... Um, the Star Wars movie from a couple of years ago, the uh, yep. the Force Awakens. Uh-huh. I never once watching the movie did it occur to me that uh, Grand Moff Tarkin was not real. <laughs> really? Yeah, I know that's weird. Everyone else said, "Look at that! It's an abomination of special effects," and I'm like, "No, I think he looks okay." So I may not be the best judge of this thing, but I thought Shiva looked amazing in this scene. Yeah, Tiger looked good. Uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, no. I think Princess Leia looked terrible at that. Oh yeah, absolutely. She looked terrible too. All right. Well, anyways, don't take my word for it, but if you agree with me that Shiva looks good, I feel better. I don't think we're quite ready for photorealistic humans uh, acting on screen. Not quite, eh? No. I think cartoons, yes, that's fine. Like Jar Jar Binks. Nobody complains about how Jar Jar Binks looks, only how he sounds. Mm, And what he does. And what he does, even though he's, you know. The master. I guess so. Yeah. Well, anyways, Shiva looked good to me. Uh, Now it's Maggie's turn. She speaks and says uh, basically that we've practiced this plan, but things don't end after this. Um, Just sort of, you know, re-motivating or motivating the people around her. Uh, We go back to Tara and Carol, who are up on the bridge, and we see a giant herd of walkers below them. Yeah. You know what my favorite part? I have two favorite parts about this, this scene. Uh, one is, uh, Carol looking at the flower drawn on the, uh, uh, the divider. Yep. And the second one is the, uh, the piece of licorice that, uh, Tara is eating. Looks extremely stiff and old, and it looks like, uh, she has to spend a lot of time chewing on that thing to get any pleasure out of it. As it would I, be. I really like the, uh, uh, the detail in that piece of licorice. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Are you a licorice fan? Do you like licorice? I like red licorice. Yes. Me too. Twizzlers? Well, cherry and strawberry. You're not a black licorice guy. No, I'm not a black licorice guy. So you're not a true licorice enjoyer? No, Because that I'm is, not. I like red licorice. All right. Well, uh, I like it all, and I really love a good Twizzler once in a while, but you're right. After that amount of time, they would probably be pretty stale. 
but um, Alana Masterson was on the big Talking Dead special after the episode, and uh, she said that she hates licorice. Oh, so, God. yeah, so they had her like chomping on that thing, you know, take after take, and she said she'd take it out of her mouth and chuck it off the bridge every time so they'd get her a new one. <laughs> but <laughs> apparently she didn't re- realize that there's there were people down there, not... It wasn't all just special effects zombies. And so she was right. throwing licorice down on the people for, you know, half the day until she realized someone said, maybe you shouldn't just litter down on the folks down there, you know? <laughs> How rude. How rude, exactly. Get her a fake piece of licorice. I mean, it was like a pencil anyway. I'm sure you could have the prop department uh, scare up, a, you know, or uh, 3D print a plastic piece of licorice. Yeah, you would think so. But I don't know. Maybe it just doesn't look as real when you're gnawing on it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll print. That's too bad that she doesn't like licorice. I have a 3D printer at work. I'll ask the guys to print off some licorice, see how it goes. Good. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Rick, we see him looking skyward at the cemetery. So we're sort of cutting back and forth between a few things there. We go back now to the cane and we see the flowers and we see a clock. And this time we see Rick in bed with the big gray beard. Again, the shot from the trailer. And he opens his eyes. But we cut to Rick opening his eyes somewhere else, and they're very red, and they look irritated to me. They do. He looks like he's been maced. Something like that, or just a lot of crying. Something, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that's this scene is really out of context, because we don't know. It's so close up on Rick's face, we have no idea where he is, what situation he's in, anything like that. So... Uh, but it kind of, you know, cut from old man Rick, who's waking up peacefully in bed to something like this, where it looks like he's in a great deal of distress. So don't know what that's all about yet. And we go to the opening credits. And incidentally, I did notice a few new shots in the opening credits, which maybe we can, we can look at uh, another time, but they've updated those. And uh, then we come back from the credits and a van is driving up a road it stops at some overturned or wrecked cars, and Carl gets out. So Carl's learned to drive. That's good. That's good, yeah. He needs to know how to drive. He takes a gas can, and he walks into a gas station. There's lots of wrecked cars around. There's you know a kid's bike on the ground. There's dead people in a lot of the cars. He's sort of looking around, and suddenly he hears a voice, which startles him. And the voice is talking about what his mom used to tell him about helping travelers, about being nice to people are traveling and maybe need a place to stay. Yeah. Uh, so Carl sneaks around, he looks under a car and he sees some feet and he runs out and points his gun at the guy who says that he just wanted some food. But this guy is clearly, you know, in some kind of distress because he's not making a lot of sense and he's mumbling to himself and uh, it seems like he's maybe being alone for a long time or really hungry for a long time. Um, but we don't really know anything else about him at this point. Yeah, he's just a, he's a babbling idiot, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Suddenly, though, someone else shoots at him, and he runs away, and turns out it's Rick. So Rick is here, too, and instead of trying to talk to the guy, he decides that he's just going to shoot at him and scare him away. And he says to Carl that he shot over his head on purpose, and Rick says that he could have been one of them, meaning one of the saviors, and, but if not, he hopes he makes it, you know, alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, this is like no BS Rick. He's like, there's a person I don't know. I'm going to shoot a, shoot over his head and scare him away. Uh, you know, sorry for, you know, too bad for him. So sad. Yeah. 
That's generally what you do. If you fire a shotgun into the air, whoever you're arguing with will probably run off. It, it is, but do you not think there's some benefit to Rick maybe talking to the guy and and finding out a little bit about him before he just shoots, you know, the air and scares him away? Yeah. I, I, I do. I mean, if he is, uh, if he is Negan and part of the saviors, then shoot him in the head, be done with it. Uh, if he's not part of the saviors, find out who he is. Maybe he, uh, maybe he knows where there's a lot of guns and a tank and various, uh, fighter aircraft that he knows how to pilot. Well, well, here's the thing. Like Rick doesn't know who he is. So the first thing you do, sure. Point your gun at him, threaten him, find out who he is. And yeah, if he's, if he's with Negan, Kill him, I guess. They don't seem to have. They don't seem to have any trouble doing that this episode. If he's not, you're right. Maybe he can become an ally because you need allies. I know he's just one person, but maybe he's got ten more guys somewhere that wants to join yeah. the fight. Right? Yeah, a whole uh, you know SEAL Team Six uh, team in, and an Apache helicopter. You never know. It can happen. You never know what the guy might have. So yeah. Uh, but Rick doesn't go for any of those things. He just says he hopes he makes it, and Carl walks away. And says, Dad, hope isn't enough. Nope. So Carl had a little more uh, sympathy for this guy. Now, this whole scene, Jason, do you, did it feel familiar to you in any way? Yeah, it was exactly like the opening scene in the, in the, the pilot. It, it absolutely was. Now I got to ask. I was wondering if that girl that walked up was the same girl. Uh, what girl? The, the actress. There was a, there was a, a, a girl that started walking a zombie girl oh. that showed up. I was wondering if that was the same actress from the, uh, the pilot. Oh my gosh. That didn't even occur to me. You're right. Right at the end of the scene, after Carl walks away, that zombie comes along. And in the pilot, that was Addie Miller. The character's name was Summer. Uh, you know, I met her at a Walker Stalker years yeah. ago. Uh, the first one, you were there too, right? Yeah, I was there. Yeah. There I, I met her. There you go. So that's really great. That would have been so cool if they'd got the same actress who's, you know, eight years older now. And, a, you know, a young woman to, to play that zombie. I wish they had, to be honest. That would have been fun. I don't, I don't know. I'd have to review the credits at the end, but I don't think it was. But I, I agree that I think that uh, it would have been fun. I don't think it was either, but I'm surprised that uh, they didn't think of doing that. Or they did and they, she was busy or something, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the whole thing mirrored the pilot episode, the opening scene, which I thought was really cool. There's a video out there if anyone wants to go looking for it. Someone made kind of with a side-by-side -side of these two uh, scenes. And they do some editing to line it up even more, but there's a bunch of scenes that are just very, very similar. And I thought it was really, really well done. Yeah. And fun, fun to watch, you know, a cool callback to the very beginning of this, this show. True. Um, anyways, we get a close up shot of a list of savior lookouts. And as the lookouts are eliminated by, by various members of team Rick, they are crossed off the list. So basically we see somebody kill a guy and then we see them cross off the list. Uh, we see Daryl take a guy out. We see a dude fall off of a, like a hunting I mean, it's not really a hunting platform in a tree because it's right beside the road, but... It's a lookout perch. Yeah, it's a lookout perch, I guess. He gets shot out of nowhere, falls off. Um, and then Morgan takes out a guy with his staff. With a pointy stick, he gets through the guy's sternum. Like the, yeah. the stick goes through his spine, his entire body, and then out the front uh, through the sternum with a pointy stick. He's a really strong guy. I don't know. And he's got a magic stick too, I guess. I guess he might have a magic stick. Well, he knows how to use that stick. He was trained by a cheesemaker, Jason. 
Yes, but, you know, uh, going between the ribs and coming out through the, the heart, the right or the left of the, uh, of the chest, that's fine. Uh, but he went right, right dead center through the uh, spine and then through the sternum. And that's just well, not going to happen. Well, I guess not. But either way, the dude is dead. And uh, that's, that's, you know, that's it for those, those lookout guys. Yeah. Um, now we, uh, where are we? We cut to Rick. He's looking at the list and he seems to be struggling with things a little bit. He kind of breathes nervously. Um, and then Father Gabe comes up and says that they're ready in 30 minutes. And it turns out Rick's on the wall uh, of Alexandria looking over things. And uh, Gabe says that, I think Gabe kind of realizes Rick is feeling like all this is uh, on his shoulders and he's trying to tell him that he's not, that they're a team. He says that what they're about to do isn't about just you, you know, just you as Rick. Um, and I, yeah, so Gabe is being, you know, a little bit of uh, comfort for Rick there, right? I think. And that's kind of his job, right? Uh, we go to Tara. She's looking at her watch. Daryl rides up and Morgan is already there. So those, that group of people have, have come together now. Um, and then we see Rick saying goodbye to Judith, who's older and has long hair now. Nice. Lo longer hair. She's certainly not a baby anymore. She's sitting there playing and looks like, you know, maybe a toddler almost. I'm, it's not clear if she can walk, but getting there. Oh, I'm sure she can walk. She looked old enough to walk. Yeah, she's, she's getting there for sure. Uh, he, he kisses Michonne goodbye and he gives Carl a big hug and then he gets in a truck and all the armored cars roll out. And as they're going, we see them, uh, pass Rosita, injured Rosita sitting on, uh, sitting on a porch. Yeah. So she's not part of the team. She's getting better still, I guess. Uh, Carl and Michonne who are left standing there on the road, they talk about not going, um, and instead, Michonne says she'll help Carl defend Alexandria. And she says to him, this is your show. When he questions, you know, why are you helping me? Aren't I helping you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so Carl is in charge, uh, or at least from the viewpoint of Michonne. That's good. It's his show. He can drive now. That's right. He can drive so he can defend a city or a town. Yeah. Cause if you can drive, you're in charge. I guess so. I guess so. That means we have a lot of uh, in-charge people. <laughs> yeah, and that's why we have traffic like we do. There you go. Because everybody's in charge. Yep. We cut to another savior, and Rick surprises him, but doesn't kill him. And then Rick starts going through the guy's stuff, and the dude is on the ground, and we can hear him taunting Rick, saying that, you know, Rick's going to beg for his life again. This is not going to go well for Rick. And, uh... You know, Rick's just leaving him there, ignoring him. He crosses another location off of the list, and then he frees a walker who was tied up to a pole, and he lets him loose on the guy on the ground to eat him. We don't see it, but you know what's happening. We sure hear it, that's for sure. We sure hear it, yeah. In the distance, Rick sees a flashing signal, uh, and then the convoy of armored cars approaches from the other direction. So that flashing signal, was that Tara and everybody on the bridge? I gotta it's think. It's hard. I, I don't know. It, it was pretty far off, but I gotta think it was. You know, it was just them saying, you know, good to go, basically. Still good to go. Um, now, they all convene at a location at sundown, it looks like. And pretty much everybody is gathering there. People who have never met or we've never really even seen on screen together are coming. 
uh, coming are joining up with each other. Aaron and Eric are talking about stuff, about praying. Jerry is chatting with Enid, you know, so there's people from the kingdom, people from the hilltop and Alexandria all coming together. This is their staging area for whatever is about to happen, I think. Yes. You know, they're getting organized. We see the leaders more or less talking to each other. Rick, Maggie, Ezekiel, uh, and Jesus is there. And, you know, Rick and Maggie are talking about the fight tomorrow. Ezekiel's kind of just being Ezekiel doing royal type stuff. There's a, there's a funny scene. I, this was a funny scene. I thought with Ezekiel standing there talking, uh, in his, in the way he does and Tom Payne as Jesus standing beside him. And I just <laughs> yeah. got the feeling that Tom Payne or Jesus was thinking, listen to this crackpot beside me. And <laughs> I, I just had the feeling he was maybe just on the verge of cracking up a little bit, but Tom Payne does a good job of, of just kind of standing there listening to Ezekiel be Ezekiel. That's true. I think which might be hard for some people. Uh, Rick and Maggie, they have a moment here where she says basically that Rick taught her everything she knows about leadership. And he says, well, that's good because after this, I'm following you. Nice. Maggie is going to be our leader once this is all said and done. And Rick's going to sit back and grow a big gray beard, I guess. That'll last all of five minutes. All of five minutes. Every time Rick makes a decision... Uh, it gets reversed like shortly thereafter. He, he, that's true. Usually by his own doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. But we'll see. Uh, in any case, Maggie has really stepped up and she's rallied her own troops here, you know, so she's, she's being the leader. Uh, we go back to the highway with Tara and her team. She counts down as they look down the road and they're expecting a big herd of zombies to come around the corner. And at first it doesn't come, but after about, you know, a few more seconds, they appear. The team clears out. The camera lingers on the approaching herd for what feels like a really long time. And then finally, an SUV that they've left behind explodes, forming a marker for this herd of zombies to follow. That's right. It was a leading them on. Pretty good explosion, I thought. And a long camera linger. I'm like, why are we watching these guys? They're just, they're just, they're way in the distance, shambling towards us very slowly. I hope we don't have to sit here the, until they get to the camera, because that's going to take a long time. Yeah, that would. That would add an extra 20, 30 minutes to the episode. At least, yeah. But no, the car explodes, and then you realize what's going on. Um, the Saviors, uh, they send a team out to investigate. So we have Dwight, he's talking to a female voice on his walkie and we hear her say, I want some bang, bang, Dwighty. I want some scream, scream. I want blood. <laughs> Which, well, I assume that's one of the, uh, the garbage people. Was it a garbage person? I'm not. I would assume the way they're talking. Um, yeah. Okay. Maybe you're right. I thought it was the, uh, the character we meet later in the episode, the, the one woman that comes out on the balcony with Negan. That could be, maybe she's a garbage person. Whose name we got, but I don't recall. Yeah, it's either Rachel? No, no, no. <laughs> Rwanda? No, no, I'm not sure. That's a country. I don't think it started with an R. Uh, sorry, I can't remember the name right now, but maybe you're right. Maybe she did come from the uh, scavengers? Could be. It just seemed like an odd way to phrase things. Seemed like a, uh, I'm not sure, it was a very Beyond Thunderdome kind of thing. 
A little bit. You never saw that Beyond Thunderdome, didn't you? No, I don't think I have, or at least it's been many, many years. I know what you mean. Uh, The the way she spoke on the walkie, now that you've mentioned it, is a little bit like the scavengers. Um, But uh, I have a feeling, and I apologize, it's been a long time since I've read the comic for uh, for this part, but I have a feeling that character is in the comic, and I'm sure someone out there will correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, and I'm going to look up the name when we're done so I can remember it for next time. Cool. So, but what really, what the important thing in this scene is that the saviors send a team out, a couple cars and some motorcycles to go and see, you know, what's going on, um, to investigate the explosion that was on the highway. Uh, now we cut over to Daryl and Carol and they're setting up like a trip wire, not really a trip wire, but a wire across the road. And then they watch from a nearby uh, pedestrian bridge, it looks like. Yep. Down there. Um, back to the sanctuary, Dwight is there. And as he leaves the frame, we refocus on a couple of guys up on top, a couple of lookouts with guns. And suddenly they are shot one after the other and shot dead, just fall to the roof. Um, the armored car convoy drives up and parks strategically right outside the front door of the sanctuary. So I never imagined that, even watching the beginning of this episode, but I was going to say going back to the San Diego Comic-Con trailer, I never imagined that all those armored cars were to actually drive to the front door of the sanctuary and park there and say hi. I thought that they would be used to deflect a zombie herd. Uh, you're right. I, I didn't expect them to just kind of drive up to the front door and, uh, and say hi. Yeah. And, and, you know, even at the beginning of this episode, I thought, oh, they're going to use the cars to herd these zombies somehow and, and just direct them at Negan's place. But, but that's not it. They were actually used as cover so that they didn't just walk a bunch of people up to the front door standing there, you know, in the open. <laughs> hi. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Here we are. Um, but no, so they are there. They're, you know, Rick and everybody's right outside the sanctuary under cover of these armored cars. And that is it. So they all get out, they take cover behind the vehicles and then everybody shoots four times into the air. I guess that's like ringing the doorbell. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a show of discipline and firepower. I thought it was really nice. It was like really well done. To get everyone to shoot in the air at the same time? At exactly the same time. Is that difficult to do? It, well, it takes coordination and thought, it's, but it, not really. It's not like herding cats, though. No, it's not like herding cats, but, you know, <laughs> trying to get a crowd to keep time is very difficult. Yeah. Like, uh, you go bang, 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 bang. A lot of people think, that's easy, you can do that, but then some Yahoo's going to go bang, 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 and then the whole thing just turns into a big cacophony. But uh, to get everybody on the same page, to do it at the same time and at the same tempo, which I thought was weird because Maggie just, you know, she raised her hand or she did the signal once and everybody knew exactly what time to take. What I would have done was say, one, two, three, four, bang, 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 bang. bang. So everybody knew that what the tempo should be. Yeah, see, the adrenaline's pumping. Everybody's going to get, you know, off a little bit. But I I think overall it was a, a very good show of force and a show of discipline. Okay, well, that's good. And it, got Negan's attention because they're waiting around nervously for a minute 
And then Negan comes walking out onto his little balcony there along with, as they call them later in the episode, his lieutenants. Yeah. And that's uh, what they wanted. So we go to commercial and when we come back, we are back to this close-up shot of Rick's eyes, his super red eyes. And he looks up and behind him, there's some kind of stained glass, it looks like. So that's the only hint we get about what's going on or where he might be. And to me, it means nothing. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what you were, what you meant by a hint of where they are. Uh, uh, well, yeah, it's not really a hint. It's I'm just saying it's the only extra bit of information we get about the context for this scene. And right now, unless I'm missing something to me, I don't think it really tells us anything. But maybe as the season plays out, if this mystery isn't re- revealed right away, you know, maybe that stained glass is going to show up somewhere else on the show, or at least we find out where that is and the information will be slowly revealed to us. I don't know. Yeah. But I look forward to finding out. Uh, we go back to old man, Rick, and he wakes up and gets out of bed. He walks out into the house. Michonne and Carl are there and Rick's limping with that cane. So he's sustained some kind of leg or foot injury. You got to think. Yeah. Or his knee hurts. Or, or, well, knee, leg, foot, yeah, ankle, could be any of those things. Buttock, maybe, even. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he might have get, gotten shot in the buttock. Could have, <laughs> but we don't know right now because we go back to the sanctuary. And Negan's kind of doing his thing. He's talking a lot. Uh, he says that he doesn't want to start shooting and get his people killed. Uh, and, and then Rick rattles off the names of Negan's lieutenants. And basically asks Negan to surrender. He's, he, Rick just rolled up there with all his people and said, look, you're an idiot and we think you should surrender now. And if you don't, this is your only chance to live. So, uh, kind of, I thought this was dumb. I mean, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, Negan just walks out, you know, obviously, uh, without any weapons or anything. They didn't have any obvious weapons other than Lucille. So he walks out on the balcony feeling cocky and perfectly safe with all his lieutenants. Uh, when there's, uh, an armed posse pointing firearms at them. Why didn't they just open fire without any warning? It's just take Negan out. And then make the offer to the rest of them. Well, do you think if they just opened fire, they would have just ended up killing them all anyways? Like, I don't think you'd be able to just kill Negan in that situation. They obviously have a sniper. If they took out the guy on the post, uh, the the lookout post and the Mm -hmm. two guys on the roof, uh, they have some kind of, uh, you know, sniper that can shoot from a distance. And these guys are probably, what, 40 feet away? Somebody's got to have a high-powered rifle where they can take a sniper shot and, you know, get a headshot on Negan. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing about this. I completely agree with you, and you're not the first person to bring this up, right? You have an armed posse, as you said, behind cover of all these vehicles. There's a lot of them. They're all, they all have weapons. You've got Negan standing there basically out in the open without any... Uh, firearm, at least he doesn't have one to shoot back and nobody takes the shot. And this happens kind of over and over again, frankly, uh, people have had plenty of opportunities to kill Negan. Rosita was the only one who tried and she ended up hitting the bat, but I don't know because this bugs me a little bit because I agree with you 
but I also think that the way it played out on TV is just better for the show. And it, 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 I found it immensely entertaining and I don't know that it would have been as entertaining had they just walked up, shot Negan, and then turned around and drove home. Well, yes. I mean, for dramatic effect, I absolutely agree with you that this was more dramatic and having a conversation is one thing, but it just seemed a little odd. It seemed to one, uh, not only uh, did they not take the shot having a clear advantage, but Negan came out with all his lieutenants out onto this balcony uh, with a clear disadvantage and didn't bat an eye. Yeah. Knowing I, full well that they are in at war. Like mm-hmm. it's not just, this is not a, a cold war or uh, a disagreement or a standoff. This is all out war. And they're standing here 40 feet across from each other with one party having a clear advantage and they didn't take advantage of that advantage. Is that, can you say that? Advantage. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I, I fully get it. Like Negan even said at the end of last, uh, season, we're going to war. And so, you know, he should know, he should know that. But I mean, on one hand, he is such an arrogant, cocky dude that he'll do stuff like this. Great. Take advantage of that and shoot him in the head when he does this stuff. Yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. What I, but I, but I also think that sometimes and maybe it happens too often but sometimes you have to do things that are just better for dramatic effect and this to me is one of those situations to be honest i found it more crazy that they were able to just drive right up to the front door like that and there's nobody to stop them well that's what they were doing they were taking out they made a list they did all their reconnaissance and uh they made their list and they took out all the, uh, the advanced guard. Sure. But that's like one guy in a tree, one guy at a building, one guy somewhere else. Yeah. I, you would think that there'd be guards at least like closer to the sanctuary, some sort of perimeter around the place, you know, so that yeah. you can't get that close to it. You're not wrong, but I think they set it up so that we could make believe this yeah right? that they they took care of that maybe they didn't show us everything maybe they just showed us the uh uh the dramatic ones or a few a few of them sure but the last time they tried to find these people they've encountered like uh you know massive piles of burning logs right that's right they, they didn't encounter that this time so you're not wrong yeah and 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 i mean yeah they set it up but it still bugged me a little bit um and then, but, but also Negan didn't seem to have any advance warning that they were coming at the, like, I guess that's believe in some ways a little bit believable because they were killing those people who would have radioed in. But again, you know, as they got there, there isn't anybody looking out a window going, um, who are they? <laughs> you know, what are they doing? Maybe we should tell Negan. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm assuming too much that he actually didn't. Maybe when he walked out of that door, he had already been informed. I don't know. It didn't seem like he knew that they were there, but, um, that all of that bothered me a little bit more than why didn't they just take the shot? Because I can understand that for dramatic purposes. The other stuff seemed like it was too easy. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. You're right. So you're right. Anyways. Um, Negan, uh, so what happens? What happens? Um, yeah, he asked them to surrender. We go quickly back to Team Terra, I'm going to call it. 
and a walker is going down the road towards that trip line they set up. So Morgan runs down there to take it out because if they don't want the walker to hit the wire and screw up their whole plan. Yeah, and zombies, they always get in the way of, a, you know, a good plan. They do, they do, but they don't want to screw it up this time. Uh, back to Negan and Rick. Negan sort of laughs off Rick's offer and tells him that he doesn't have the numbers for this fight. And then he brings out Gregory. There's Gregory. So we know that he did go to the sanctuary, of course. And Negan makes Gregory deliver this speech. It's obviously a prepared speech about how the hilltop stands with Negan and the saviors. And if anybody takes up arms against the saviors, they'll throw out their families. So Negan thinks that this is uh, something, you know, a play he can make and that then the hilltop people won't help Rick in this fight anymore. Yeah, but, it's a, it's a gambit. Yeah, a little bit. So, but there are hilltop people in the crowd standing there with holding guns with Rick. And, you know, Maggie as sort of their leader recognizes that this is a threat against their families directly. So she gives them the chance to leave. She says, you know, you guys do what you got to do. But of course, nobody leaves. And uh, Gregory tries to reinforce his point, but then Jesus yells, the hilltop stands with Maggie. Yeah, Gregory's a useless tit. He's a useless bag of hammers at this point. Like, that's it. Even Simon- a Bag of hammers useless, useful. Well, if you like, take There's all kinds of out. things. You could, uh, you could distribute them to a whole bunch of people and you could build a house. You could take three or four of them and learn how to juggle. I mean, they're pretty good weighted for, uh, for learning how to juggle. Bag of hammers, useful. Sack of doorknobs. Maybe not so much. Okay, fine. He's a useless sack of doorknobs. There you go. <laughs> um, Simon recognizes this fact, and he's not so happy, and he pushes Gregory down the stairs. Yeah. Which I thought- is Simon's not, awesome. I thought this was sort of hilarious, actually. You bring a guy out, you tell him what to say, and then the people he's saying it to shrug it off and don't believe him, so you're like, that's all your fault. I'm pushing you down the stairs. <laughs> You know, uh, but anyways, that's, that was entertaining. We go back to Negan's patrol group. They drive into the tripwire and they explode. So hey. success uh, for team Terra there. Everybody they get all the explosives. I think, idea? I think they just have them. They just, they just have them. Yeah. Yeah. They sort of like they, there was a dam nearby and all of the C4 that they needed to build the dam was mm. available to them. So they just took it. Maybe that's the crossover. The, uh, the C4 went from Fear the Walking Dead to The Walking Dead. Well, they used it in Fear the Walking Dead. Well, maybe so there's a little bit extra. They probably have extra because if you're going to have a whole boatload of C4 at the basement of a dam, you're going to have like enough C4 to blow up the dam like seven times over. Sure. So once you're done blowing up the dam, what do you do with all that extra C4? You distribute it throughout North America so that other people may make use of it for various car bombs and, uh, you know, zombie heard that's right uh guiding you give okay. it to your friends in the east basically that's what you do yeah okay okay i'm on board so everybody at the sanctuary sees the explosion and uh negan realizes you know stuff's going down and rick says they have to decide right now nobody says anything and rick starts counting like he's talking to children and well, i he started at 10 when you're talking to kids, you start at three, right? You're a dad. You do. You, you start at three. But the way Rick says it, he says, you're not going to make me count, are you? Really? 
Yeah. And then he does, and he starts counting down. 10, 9, 8, he gets to 7, and decides to open fire. See, it started 3. Same right. thing. You didn't need you didn't need the rest of those numbers. Yeah. Um everybody fires. Negan's guys mostly run inside. Negan dives for cover and they're all shooting at the building, basically taking out all the windows. Yeah, cuz you know, people hate windows. Well, I mean, I guess it'll get really cold in there at night or you know, they won't <laughs> I don't know. They're doing using some kind of shock and awe thing. I think they're so. just shooting all the windows just to Make them all take cover? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think so. I mean, they're raining glass down. You got to think about that, I suppose. But um, they, they seem to be just assaulting the building. Yeah, they, they nobody on the balcony gets hit that we know of. Um, and Negan himself seems to be the only one who actually doesn't make it back inside the door. Um, so they're, but they're mostly just assaulting the building. Yeah. Maybe. Well, they weren't shooting at the Negan and their and their lieutenants, so that's why they were all able to run in, right? They didn't want to shoot them. Right. That's, I get, that's I the only not. real explanation here. I suppose. Uh, we see Team Terra. We go back to them. We see the herd coming. Um, they all take off, but before they part ways, Carol gives Daryl a nice big hug and says to be careful. Daryl checks his bullets, takes a drink of water, and rides off on the bike with the herd following him. And he... Uh, you know, is going to cause some explosions to make sure they go the right way. Good plan. Yep. The group back at the sanctuary is still shooting. Uh, we intercut with Daryl shooting those explosives to blow stuff up. And they have an RV uh, custom modified with a big metal shield attached to the front of it. Yeah. All uh, the A-team. Because the A-team did that a lot. Did they? Right. Well, they would uh, they would have some kind of montage where they would build some contraption to mm -hmm. uh, to make it so that they could achieve whatever goal they had. So I it's immediately reminded me of the A team. Okay. Well, I thought it looked like an RV wearing a mask. Yeah, it looked really cute. Iron Man RV, Iron V, or something like Iron, that. Iron, yeah, Iron V. <laughs> right. Um, Father Gabe drives it basically up to the fence as close as he can to the sanctuary building and they blow it up. Not with him in it. He jumps out the back window. Uh, so they'd rigged it to explode too and cause a big hole, I guess. In yeah, the fence. It's bad luck to blow up a priest. I don't know if you know that. Well, it is. I hope so. Cause I'm going to be dressing up as a priest for something in the next week. And yeah. I don't want to get blown up. Did you find your collar? Uh, no, but I'll, uh, I, I got an idea. You make it. You make it. I Just might. get a sheet of plastic and make it. There's a pop-up Halloween store around the corner from me. I think they have a priest collar, for, a priest shirt and collar for 20 bucks. So oh, might, there you go. That might Done. be it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Gabe is okay, but the fence has exploded now, and so is uh, Iron RV. Uh, Negan is there. He's taking cover behind some debris, and Rick is just shooting straight at him, but not hitting him. He's hitting the metal debris. Yeah. Now we can hear people calling to Rick and he's not really listening, but finally Father Gabe gets to him and says he has to leave. Remember, this is not about you. The plan was to do this and get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, so before Rick leaves though, he takes, he pulls out a Polaroid camera and takes a picture of the area and then gets in a car and drives away. So the whole Polaroid thing reminded me of when they found Polaroids of dead people in the satellite station last season. Yep. Um, but do you think there's anything more to that? What was Rick doing with that camera? Unknown at this time, Chris. 
I, I would agree with that. He, but he did take a picture. Um, so we'll find out what's going on. He's making a collage. That's the only thing I can think of. I guess so. A destruction collage. A death and destruction collage of some kind. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll have to see. I look forward to seeing that. Uh, now father Gabe jumps in a car. He's about to leave, but he sees Gregory who remember was kicked down the stairs and Gregory's in trouble because he doesn't know how to do anything for himself. Father Gabe being the kind of person he is, gets out of the car. He runs to help him and they get pinned down. They're stuck. Uh, but in the chaos, Gregory manages to get up, run back to the vehicle and steal Gabe's vehicle, leaving father Gabe there. Good old Gregory. Oh my God. You almost hate him more than Negan. Almost. Uh, well, almost. Yeah. But like, what a bastard, you know, to turn his back on them, to, uh, get in trouble, of course, and then have someone come and help him as a, as a fellow human being, and then to abandon him there, a priest, no less. He, he, uh, Gregory is really not a pleasant human being no he's a he's an awful person he really is uh but we go to a commercial break and when we come back we are back with carl at the gas station and he's brought some food back for the mystery guy and a note that says sorry and then we see that the mystery guy is watching him from the bushes so he's still there even though rick shot over his head he didn't flee that far yeah yeah uh, carl's american so it, uh, the note said sorry not sorry uh, well Forgive me. I'm Canadian and I say sorry. <laughs> yeah. But just, you know, pointing that out. Accents and everything. That can't, that's, that can't be universal across the U.S. though. Sorry? It's pretty, it's more universal than sorry. Maybe in the Midwest. Okay. I don't know. Uh, you, you make a point though, but I read that <laughs> word and I say, I'm sorry. That's right. Right? Me too. Okay. But Carl, on the other hand, probably wrote sorry. All right. Fair enough. Uh, okay. So the whole group now is gathering back after the fight at, uh, the sanctuary. Ezekiel and Carol see each other and we get Daryl and Rick talking about how Father Gabe stopped to get Rick when he was focused on killing Negan, you know, so important point there. And it looks to me like the groups are now going after Savior Outposts because we see the satellite place again and they talk about going in. Um, and then we see... Carol and Ezekiel, that team attack a medical building, which looked to me like the same place that Morgan took out a guy earlier, but I'm not sure if it's the same place or not. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but they're attacking savior outposts and, but while Carol and Ezekiel are there, one of those saviors defending it throws a smoke bomb and they all get blinded and caught up in the smoke. Uh, so that one's not going so well. The herd, it arrives at Sanctuary, which is on fire, of course, because of the exploding iron RV, and it's now swamped with zombies everywhere. Father Gabe is there. He's running around for his life. He tries a couple of doors and finally finds one that's unlocked. He goes inside and discovers that he is now locked in a room with Negan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shit. Exactly. And this is our, <laughs> this is our shit and pants scene that we saw in the trailer. Um, I got to admit it did not work any better for me in context of the episode than it did in the trailer. What about you? Oh, it was horrible. It was a horrible <laughs> line. Yeah. Even for Negan, right? Oh yeah. For anybody. It was badly written. It was horrible. 
they shouldn't have they should have reworked it. I would tend to agree with that. Um, you know, have you got your rubber pants on because you're gonna shit them or whatever? Brown Something, pants, but we got your brown yeah. pants on. Yeah, put on your brown pants. You know. Uh, yeah. Anyways, that's the scene. Um, he's locked in there with Negan, no way out. Um, but the camera cuts outside, and we get our typical, typical in a good way, Walking Dead overhead shot of dozens or maybe hundreds of zombies surrounding this uh thing this art it's is it is it an rv it's some sort of building small building separate from the main building that they're stuck in it's a shipping container it looks like yeah maybe a big shipping container uh anyways they are there surrounded they can't get out and uh that should make for a uh, funny duo negan and the priest stuck in a shipping container yeah sounds like a joke sure does as long as somebody has shitting pants on well then you know as long as one of them can take a shit in their pants that's true uh, we wouldn't want both to do that. So we cut back to the future, which is something I've always wanted to say on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And we see like, what, five-year-old Judith, maybe four-year-old come out to Rick, call him daddy. And Judith, Rick, and Michonne are there and they're still in their house. And they talk about a big owl that they've made outside for a festival that they're having. So there's some stuff going on outside. And we can see through the door a rather healthy looking community. People are doing things, tending to gardens. You can see the big owl in the background. Um, it looks like a pretty pleasant place. Yeah. But we don't really know when this is occurring other than it has to be in the future. So not so sure. Yep. Uh, we cut back to Red-Eyed Rick. And he says, if I could hear correctly, my mercy prevails over my wrath. Is that, is that what you got from that scene? Uh, I didn't quite understand it, but I'm, uh, just going to the tape now and I've got close captioning on. Okay. I believe he said my mercy prevails over my wrath. My mercy dot, dot, dot prevails dot, dot, dot over my wrath. Very good, Chris. All right. Good work. My ears are working um so you know i think i must admit knowing the comic a little bit and like i said earlier i haven't read this section in a long time i have an idea of what's going on here in a way um and i'm not going to say anything more than that but you know comic readers probably have a better idea of what's happening um but who knows who knows the show might might mix it up a little bit before the end, though, we go back to the original motivational speech that Rick is giving from the beginning of the episode, and he says if we start tomorrow, right now, no matter what comes next, with everything we've already endured, we've won. We've already won. And we cut to black, the episode's over. Uh, yeah, that's not true. Pretty powerful speech at the end, I thought, to be honest. I liked what they were saying at the beginning, especially Maggie, but the way Rick capped this off, I... I, it worked on me. I'd follow yeah. him. Yeah, probably. You know? Follow him into the gates of hell. Into the gates of hell. Why not? <laughs> All right. And that's that's the episode. That is the slightly longer than usual season eight premiere. Um, Jason, I want to take a short break right now and then come back and do a few more uh, thoughts on this episode. Okay. Well, just as it was faded to black, we got a, a message saying it was in memory of John Bernecker. True. There was two in memoriams on this, on this episode, John Berniker and uh, second of all, George Romero. 
George Romero. Yep. Yeah. So uh, a little bit sad way to end there. John Berniker, of course, was the stuntman who uh, who died on set doing us doing a stunt that went wrong. And everybody knows who uh, George Romero is. Um, so a little bittersweet there at the end, but uh, it was nice that they they dedicated it to those two guys. Yes. Okay, let's take a quick break, Jason. Um, nobody go anywhere. We're going to come back after the break and with a few more thoughts on the episode. I know I have some, and, and hopefully you do too. Um, and, uh, and don't skip the break because we're going to talk about, um, well, I'll just, I'll spoil it or I'll, I'll bury the lead right now. Is that the phrase for that? I don't even know what you're talking about. All right. I'm going to talk about our, our uh, season eight record your favorite scene contest. So oh, cool. we'll be back right after this. I teased it a second ago, everyone, but I want to just talk real quick about our Record Your Favorite Scene contest for Season 8. If you've been listening for a while, you may know what this is all about. We've done it three times before, and we're doing it again. The idea is you can record yourself performing a scene from The Walking Dead and uh, send it into us for a chance to win a really nice, big, fancy prize pack. And... This is fun because, you know, we don't worry about recording quality. We don't worry about anything really other than the fact that you made an attempt. And like I said, the idea is just pick a scene, do it by yourself or with your friends or your family. You record it. And at the end of season eight, after Jason and I listen to them all and debate for hours about the winner, we choose our- Argue, fight, kick and scream. Yeah, totally. It, it gets really ugly sometimes. I drive over to his house, I throw eggs at it, and and yeah. uh, sometimes shoot crossbow bolts with notes that say, you're an idiot. It's true. So, true. So it, it can get pretty heated, uh, but ultimately we choose our favorite, and that person is the big winner. So here's how it works. You just have to choose a scene. It can be any scene from any season of The Walking Dead. And it, you know, it doesn't just have to be season eight. You can record whatever you want and then send it into us. Best way to do that is probably by email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll collect them for the season. As the season goes on, we we try to play a bunch or or snippets from some just to uh, help inspire people and just put stuff out there that we really, really like. Um, 
and uh and yeah it's 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 super fun so like i said recording quality is not really at issue here because we know not everyone has a whole good recording studio set up in their house you can record on your phone you can record on whatever you can and uh and just get it to us uh phones actually usually do a great job to be honest these days so oh yeah that is a good way to do it um we will accept entries until a week after the season eight finale so whenever that is in uh in april or may next year um that gives that gives you a chance to wait if you want and do something from the season eight finale um but don't wait do it now you have seven other seasons to choose from and uh and get it into us so the talking dead Season eight, record your favorite scene contest. I will announce more information about what's in the prize pack uh, for for this year. There's one or two things in there already, but I'll uh, I'll talk about that another time. We'll add things as the season goes on, but uh, don't despair. It should be a pretty good uh, pack of stuff by the end of the season. So record your favorite scene contest. Choose a scene from any season of The Walking Dead. Send it in to us. Uh, well, record it and send it in to us, and uh, we'll talk about this more as the season goes on. Cool. All right, and we are back. Thank you for sticking around, everybody. Uh, I want to talk about this episode a little bit more, Jason, before we get into our holy crap moments. And I want to start here with an email from Michael in Minot, North Dakota. I think that's how you say that. As a Canadian, I would be, it's M-I-N-O-T, so I would be sort of tempted to say Mino. <laughs> but right. I, I think it's Minot, North Dakota. Michael writes, fucking great episode. I have that feeling you get when you spend the night hanging out with friends you haven't seen in years. That's nice. And I like that because I 100% agree with that. It, you know, the show just somehow, it seems very familiar and comfortable. And it was, it was nice to be back. And I had that feeling more this year, this season, than I think I ever have for any other season. And I'm not sure why, but I have a theory. Do you want to hear it? Well, well, I do want to hear it. What's your theory? Season seven was so miserable for most of the time. And I don't mean it was bad, but it was miserable. Our characters suffered a lot in season seven. And so I think now it's really nice to see them getting back in the swing of things and doing something successful and standing up for themselves. And I think that enhanced my, my, you know, good feeling I had about this whole episode. Yeah, no, it, uh, having, having them, uh, stand up for themselves and to make progress and do something, uh, good for is, uh, is very empowering, uh, and enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be uh, blowback for sure at some point. There's absolutely going to be blowback hundred percent, but you know, this is sort of one of the notes I made about this episode. Let's, I'll just start with saying that I thought it was a great season premiere. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I feel like a lot of stuff happened, you know? Um, and not only that, but they teased us with some great stuff to come, not just blowback from what they were doing, but, um, you know, all kinds of stuff, the old Rick stuff, what's going on there? Uh, you know, how Maggie is going to evolve this season and become even more of a leader. Is she really going to sort of supplant Rick as kind of like the number one leader of the 
of all these communities. I don't know, but uh, I'm curious to find out. What's Governor gonna- Maggie. I think that'd be good. good that's right. Why not? Uh, what's going to happen with Gregory? He just drove off and, and left Father Gabe to die. So I'm, you know, I, I figure Gregory has to die horribly at this point. Nah, he's going to f- drive off and start a religion. <laughs> Whatever he does, I'm curious. I just, I just, I can't see anything good happening to that guy. Um, Red-Eyed Rick, what's going on there? The last time we saw Red-Eyed Rick in the episode, he was obviously crying. Um, so I do kind of have the feeling he's kneeling over somebody's dead body, but I don't really know for sure. So uh, all I'm trying to say is even though it was super entertaining, we got to see the group, you know, fight back. I didn't expect to see an actual full assault like that on the sanctuary so quickly, you know? Um, so we saw all that, but we also have all this cool stuff they've set up to look forward to. Um, and I think it was one of the better season premieres in my opinion. It was very enjoyable. I liked it. That's a thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and here's something too, that I think I complained about last season a little bit. This episode, every character felt important. And I can't say that about last season. They didn't really do that successfully very well last year. Um, But in this episode, even characters with smaller parts felt like they were doing something. We had Team Terra doing their stuff. We had Team Rick doing their stuff. Everybody got their due. Father Gabe finally had something to do. You know, Ezekiel did not have a huge part in this episode, but he felt important. Jerry meeting Enid. It was a quick scene of him giving her some some armor for herself, but it felt important to me. And, good. And, yeah. and I feel like that's something that the show hasn't done that well lately. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, uh, yeah, everybody had an important role in this. I felt, uh, except for, uh, uh, what's her name with the injury? She just had one shot while she was sitting on the porch. Fair enough. Rosita. Um, Rosita. you know, she's, she, she was, the, she'll but, come back around. but at least she was there and she'll come back around. And to be honest, there's a real world reason that she wasn't here. She just had a baby in real life right. and, uh, they're giving her a little time off, a little break, <laughs> you know? So. Well, good for the show. Exactly. But I was very, very happy to see everyone, even in small roles, really get their due. Um, I loved seeing team Rick have a plan and start executing it. Um, and, uh, and I really liked the idea of tomorrow as a concept, you know, when, when Rick says, you know, if we start tomorrow, today we've already won he's kind of saying to everyone we we know how we want to live and we're gonna we're gonna have to work to that but if we start living the way we want to live now no one can take that away from us that's true uh it reminds me of a uh, chinese proverb the uh, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago the second best time is today exactly that's and that that applies you're right that makes sense like rick is just saying let's start living the way we want to live if we didn't start 20 years ago the next best time is right now so you're right that applies um and and i hope that the group continues sort of on that philosophy you know that they 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 do try their best to stand up for themselves live the way they want to live and uh try to hang on to that um and if future rick or if what we saw with future Rick and future Michonne 
and future Carl, sort of as he runs by the camera, and future Judith, you know, if, if, if what we saw at the front door there is any indication, it looks like they are going to be successful in their, their goals to live a peaceful and meaningful life, I suppose, in Alexandria. Or Red-Eyed Rick is lamenting the, uh, the loss of this dream that he's having. I suppose that's a possibility. You're right. We don't really know. Or, uh, and he's leaning over the dead body of his daughter. God. Uh, yeah, well, you're bringing it down for me there a little bit, but I Sorry. I hope not. This That's, show is hard on little girls. Oh my God, it is. Judith, she's going to get to be like seven and then someone's going to have to blow her away. That's going to be horrible. Yep. Um, do that. Yeah. They, they made a joke on AMC's Talking Dead last night about how old Rick looks, but how Michonne hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> she looks amazing. Okay. I guess so. She's just got good genes. She's aging very well. <laughs> Yeah, I'll buy it. Yeah, why not? Uh, All right, anything else about this episode, Jason? You liked it as a season premiere and as an episode? Uh, I did. I just, the only thing is that uh, when uh, Rick and the gang uh, direct a zombie herd by using explosions, it's a good thing. But when uh, Troy does it, Troy Otto does it, it's a bad thing. Sure, but Troy Otto directed a zombie herd with explosions straight to his own front door to kill all the people he used oh, to. Oh, sure, you're splitting hairs. Yeah, yeah, no, he was trying <sighs> to kill the all reason the reason why you're uh, herding a herd? Yeah. Shepherding a herd? Yeah, sure. I think the reason is important. Shepherd. Yeah, okay. Right, and the, uh, the, the, the location is important. If you so were... you can direct a zombie herd for good, or you can do it for evil. Exactly. Okay, that's good to know. That's right. So next time you need to direct a zombie herd, make sure you do it for good. Yeah, only for good. Only. All right, uh, let's uh, move on into our next segment, which is this. Holy crap, did you see that? Our first email comes from Adam in Texas, and he writes, Holy crap, did you see that entire freaking episode? Great episode. Amazing and delightfully upbeat for all the characters. Given the shitstorm of seven seasons they have endured, I'm glad to see them strike such a heavy blow against Negan. I love that there were no hidden surprises or turncoats. I'm looking at you, Jadis, you broken English talking bitch. Rick and the gang (laughs) dominated. <laughs> yep. Right? And and I like I take Adam's point. Nothing really went wrong, which it may, you know, things always go wrong, but but on The Walking Dead, it's nice to see something not go wrong for once. That's because they didn't tell us the plan. It's true they didn't. We didn't know the plan. We just saw it unfold. Yeah. But nothing went wrong. I mean, but no plan survives contact with the enemy. So something has to go wrong. Well, yeah, but what we've seen so far seemed to be a resounding success for Rick's group. And that's true. And I like that. So I'm sure stuff's going to go wrong as the season, you know, plays out. But yeah. for now, it was great. No hidden surprises or turncoats, as uh, Adam says. They just did their thing and it, it worked. The other, uh, the other adage, military adage, is that uh, a battle is a democracy and the enemy gets a vote. That's right. Uh, well, of course, (laughs) Yeah, you gotta, you gotta deal with whatever they're going to do or say. All right. Noop J in Dallas, Texas writes, holy crap. Did you hear Rick as he counted Dwight among Negan's people? He clearly counts him as a loss to the cause. I wonder what's going to happen when all the dust settles. He's still valuable, but he may never be trusted again. 
So what Noob J is getting at here is when there's a scene right before Rick starts shooting, I guess, when he's he's rattling off all the names of Negan's lieutenants, Simon and Gavin, and that's where we get the name of the woman that I can't remember. Um, but he lists Dwight first. And, you know, Noob J is sort of saying that because he included Dwight in that list, I don't think Rick really trusts Dwight. And I think that's true. But at the same time, I think maybe he led with Dwight's name so as not to give away Dwight as an inside man. True. Right? Like if he, if he had said everybody else's name except Dwight, uh, I feel like You that, don't lead with it. You bury it. You bury the lead. You, uh, well, you put it in the middle somewhere. I guess that's what that means, eh? <laughs> um, I I guess, but if he'd left it out altogether, that may have been suspicious. You'd you'd think, um, but I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. You don't want Negan to get any inkling that Dwight might be working for the other team sometimes. Yeah, and we're gonna kill you, Dwight. Wink, wink. Right, you're gonna be the first <laughs> to die, Dwighty boy. <laughs> know what I mean? Know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I think Dwight's still going to be on, on our side, more or less. Um, Graham on the internet writes, Holy crap, did you see Rick take a Polaroid picture while Negan was cowering like a little bitch? Amazing little moment. I loved it. We did, of course. We don't know what that means, but we'll hopefully find out. Or Rick is just going to go around every episode, take a picture of something, and uh, it'll just be his thing, and we we won't know what's going on. That would be a little weird, but whatever. It'd be ridiculous, I think. Maybe he's starting a social media site. And (laughs) the only way to do that without the internet is Polaroids. Polaroids. That's right. He's starting a, he's starting a battle scrapbook or a battle board back Uh, in Alexandria. Zombie, zombie Facebook. I don't know what he's, what he's doing, but maybe it's some kind of uh, social bulletin board in Alexandria that he's starting. Maybe. I don't know. This is his first post. It is. You know, keep a post. Going, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to People see. People can write comments. Sure, give it a thumbs up. All kinds of good stuff. Of course, that's exactly what he's doing. Uh, Jack Land from Oklahoma writes: This episode was so good. The flash forwards do absolutely nothing to distract from knowing Rick survives the episode and several years into the future. In the flash forwards, did you notice we don't see Coral's face? I wonder if it's hidden on purpose because he has more scars. Also, holy crap, did you not see any familiar faces in the crowd slash picnic? <laughs> so we kind of got to the holy crap at the end there of that email. But uh, number one, yeah, we don't see Carl's face in the future Rick scenes. I assume because got, it got shot off. <laughs> he doesn't have a face anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I suspect it's probably because Chandler Riggs looks the way Chandler Riggs looks and they you would put have a beard on him. It's going to look weird. Yeah. They would have needed to make him look older, um, but they didn't want to. So I don't know. Um, but the, the main point is no familiar faces in the crowd outside the door. So either everybody else is dead, uh, or they just decided not to show anybody else. They're on the other side of the house. Right. There's plenty of space out there for everybody. Yeah. You know, maybe they're all sleeping in that day. That's it's, what I would do. It's Sunday. Everyone's sleeping in. Uh, B. Dell from Rocky Mount, North Carolina writes, holy crap, Rick, Rick Force is cutting through Negan's people like butter. I loved seeing Negan be brought low and I was expecting one of his lieutenants to whack him or try and fail. Uh, I don't think any of Negan's lieutenants is going to whack him, except maybe uh, Dwight. I don't know. Dwight's not there yet, though. Maybe Simon. 
No, Simon, Simon is... could step up. We could put the whole show centered around Simon. Forget Rick and Carl and Michonne and I all know. that crap. Just Steven Ogg. Steven Ogg, Steven Ogg. I totally have such a man crush on that guy. I don't know why. It's the mustache. I don't know what it is. I think it's Maybe the mustache. because he took five years off of acting and built a house. Yeah, yeah. With a mustache. With a mustache, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the mustache. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think if, if anyone, maybe Dwight will, uh, stand up and take Negan out, but, uh, I don't think anyone else is ready to do that. Uh, Miles <laughs> in San Francisco writes, holy crap, literally when Rick's group gets the jump on the saviors, Negan comes out and says, sorry, I was in a meeting. I personally refer to it as taking a phone call makes way more <laughs> sense when he was caught off guard. <laughs> <laughs> right right uh if you if you if you're at the office and you need to step away for a few minutes i guess some people are in meetings and other people go to take phone calls yeah i don't really it never comes up for me i don't know why you work at home that's why Well, yes but when i work in an office i've worked in an office for many many years not <laughs> once has it ever come up what really Jeez. yeah you're lucky. I, I figure you want to do that on company time. You might as well get just, paid for it. No, I mean, I've taken a crap on company time. <laughs> There's an app you could use to track how much money you make taking a crap at work, right? You put in your salary and how much time you took to poop, and it calculates, tells you when you get $1,000, tells you when you get $5,000. <laughs> it's a good idea. You know, but I've never, it's never come up in conversation that I was, you know, ah. uh, you know, maybe it, I stepped away from my desk is, Something I mm -hmm. would say, but that could be anything from uh, going to take lunch to uh, I got to go shopping for a little while. <laughs> right? Sure. Fair enough. It's just a general catch-all term. It's just a general catch-all term. But, you know, I never would say I got to know I had to take a phone call or I was in a meeting because <laughs> everybody I work with knows when I'm in a meeting because I'm usually in a meeting with them. <laughs> right? I was in a meeting by myself in that small yeah. room over there. Yeah, taking a crap. <laughs> Anyways, I think it's funny. Sorry, I was in a meeting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, Michael in London writes, holy crap, it's good to see that our group found an eternal supply of bullets. The amount they wasted in this episode was ridiculous. Yeah, lots of bullets, lots of uh, mystery explosives. Do you think it was a waste to f shoot that m many rounds into the building just to break all the windows? I don't know what the hell the point of the whole confrontation was, because it obviously wasn't to kill Negan. It was to intimidate him and, and give him the chance to surrender, which, you know, you know, he's not going to take, but it it's a show of force, like you said. But then they shot the building up after they said, you get this one chance to surrender. They obviously didn't take it. And then they shot the building up to try and convince them to surrender. That doesn't make any sense. Well, they also blew up the fence and let all the zombies in. So they're making life difficult for, for the saviors, right? By, by, well, destroying their building as much as they can and filling the place with walkers. Yeah. Like that, that has a purpose, right? Now they can't the just. The walkers, yes. The shooting the building up doesn't. Yeah. Letting everybody, you know, having a, you know, how many, how many people were there? 40 mm -hmm. uh, people that drove in on those uh, tin, tinfoil vehicles. Uh, armored was, cars, what, armored cars. There was what 40 of them, sure. And uh, how many lieutenants? There was Negan and six lieutenants, let's say, not even. There was not even, and then they opened fire, and four. one of them gets hit. I told you 
dramatic purposes are sometimes more important than realistic reality. They have a sniper. We know they have a very effective sniper. I don't know who that is because they didn't show it, but uh, they have somebody who knows how to aim a firearm. Yes, they do. But not in this instance. So they let them go. It's the only explanation. Uh, Yeah, maybe it was Michonne. Remember, she's a bit of a... reference, remember? Did you get it? The only explanation? They let us go. It's the only explanation. Uh Uh-huh. Leia says that when they escape. Yeah, that's that's uh that's obscure, man. I I actually did not get it until you okay, explained cool. it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know why they let them go, but they let them go. They didn't. Uh, they weren't aiming to kill. They were aiming to shock and awe, intimidate. Yeah, and it worked. Uh, okay. Um, what's next? Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey writes. Let me start off with my holy crap moment during Rick's flash forward wake up scene. They used a weird Al Yankovic song. Another one rides the bus. Perhaps a bus comes into play later this year, but I assume it's simply a case of fandom. Funny little addition to the scene. Yeah, it was fun. Did you pick up on that? I didn't until uh, as we were going through the episode and I was watching, like I usually have the episode on in the background when we do these recaps uh-huh. in case I catch something. And I had the subtitles on and it actually said Weird Al Yankovic, Another One Rides the Bus. Huh. So uh, that that's when I caught it. It's it's an odd music choice. Like it's a very specific music choice and I'm sure Gimple or somebody's just a fan, right? I'm a fan of Weird Al. I'm a huge fan of Weird Al. I've Who's seen, not a fan of Weird Al? I've seen him in concert. Good, good. I have not. You're a bigger fan than me. Well, it, I used to be a huge fan and, and I've put him on for my kids and it's fun and they think he's funny and I'm happy about that. I've seen uh, Huey Lewis on the news in concert. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Not, I mean, that's not Weird Al level. But. No, it's not Weird Al level, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's 80s. Sure. <laughs> it's sure is 80s. Is. Um, now, along the same lines, we have a call here from Christian in Spokane. Holy crap, did you notice the hidden message in the script of the episode last night? You see, since they showed us at Comic-Con that old man Rick scene, a lot of people have been speculating that Rick is going to die at the end of the season. Well, what better way to tell us that he is not going to bite the dust than by playing the Weird Al parody to Another One Bites the Dust on the same scene? That, my friends is what I call an awesome troll move. Chris and Jason, what you think? It's Gimple trolling us? Or is he going flash sideways like Lost Season 6? Love your show. This is Christian from Spokane. So, Another One Rides the Bus is a parody of Another One Bites the Dust. Right. Bites the dust generally means dies. It or does. goes down in some way. Yep. And the song title is Another One. Not Rick, not anyone in that scene, but Another One. And we have crying red-eyed Rick, maybe, maybe not, you know, over someone's dead body. So Another One Bites the Dust, Jason. I think somebody's going to die. <laughs> Maggie? Better not be Maggie. God, I hope not. I don't want to see that at all. Well, why would Rick be so upset? It's not Michonne. It's not Carl. It's not uh, Judith. Okay, so you got to be Maggie. But those are the three people in his like family, more or less, right now. I think yep. it could be. I think this could be the season where Michonne doesn't survive. Well, that would be sad. It would totally be sad. I, I, I sound, I mean, I feel almost crazy saying it because I feel like Michonne is pretty safe on this show, but I just don't see Rick being 
that broken apart by anybody else than Carl or Michonne or possibly Judith. Or Maggie. Well, maybe Maggie. Especially, I think he'd be pretty upset if Maggie died. I think he would too, but Maggie is one step below those first three people, in my well, he's opinion. He's known Maggie more longer than he's known Michonne. He has, he has, but he's, he's not- He's known Maggie longer than he's known Judith. Okay, but <laughs> Judith is his own daughter. Yeah, I know, it doesn't quite count, but it's true. I mean, he knows Carl, he's known Carl quite a bit longer, but that's it. That's it. No, you're right. I, I, I just don't think it comes down to length of knowing someone necessarily, right? Yeah, I mean, I've only known Jasper for about a year or so, and I'd kill you to save him. Of course. And I've known you a lot longer. That's what you do to save your children, right? Yeah. Um, so anyways, I just think it's a, a an interesting note there by Christian in Spokane that another one rides the bus is a parody of another one bites the dust. And, yep. uh, you know... I think we'll we'll have to see. Might be on to something. So, all right. Thank you so much for everyone who wrote and called in. Uh, The idea with Holy Crap is just little moments in the episode that kind of make you say or think to yourself, holy crap, I can't believe they did that. Or I can't believe I just saw that, you know, something like that. So uh, send those in if you want to uh, get your message or your call read or played on the podcast in future weeks. Um, okay, so there you go. Season eight, episode one of The Walking Dead. We are back. I'm excited to be back. Uh, just before we wrap up here, don't forget next weekend is Walker Stalker Con in Atlanta. Uh, I know this doesn't apply to everyone because there are listeners all around the world, but if you do happen to be in the area or you're going to Walker Stalker Con, make sure you come out to the Omni Hotel Bar at uh at the conference on saturday the 28th at about 6 p.m we're going to be there or at least i'm going to be there a bunch of other podcasters are going to be there and it should be really fun we can hang out and have a couple drinks and just have a good time so i hope to see a lot of people there i will be moderating a bunch of panels and participating in all kinds of stuff at the con so definitely definitely if you see me around say hi or if you're at a panel that i'm moderating you know come up and say hi after i love meeting people uh listeners it's great it's super fun so i I look forward to it all the time and uh just everyone have a good time down there i'm looking forward to it a lot it's going to be the biggest walker stalker ever i think i'm a little sad that i'm not going i know but you're sick and you your back is out and yeah you know you still only have a one-year-old on your hands so maybe (sighs) next year jason maybe next year and he's not sleeping very well last couple of days, this uh-huh. last four or five days. Right. He was up till, he refused to go to sleep last night till 11 o'clock. Absolutely yeah. refused. Okay. Well, I don't know what to tell you, but it'll get better. <laughs> sure hope so. My, he's uh, asleep now and that's good. That is good. And it sounds like you need to be asleep too, because I, I, yeah. I could perceive your your cold Getting, getting to you a little bit over the course of the evening here, so. Yeah, I'm riding the mute button to, uh, boy, the noises I'm making while my mute button is on. Well, it's we, crazy. we need to get you into bed, my friend, so um, let's get to the end here. Uh, if you want to send your comments or thoughts or questions into us, by all means, send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or on Twitter at talking dead. Or if you'd like to send us a voicemail, record it on your phone, fire it in, or visit the website, click on send voicemail 
and you can record something right into your computer microphone if you have one, and most of them do these days, and it'll get sent right into us. So that's a great way to do it as well. Don't forget about our November holiday charity drive. Use our Amazon links when you do all your shopping, and all the money collected will go to the Canadian Cancer Society supporting cancer research. Um, that's at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. And uh, that's enough for now, I think. So we will be back uh, later this week with a feedback show. We do those on Thursdays usually. I will be in Atlanta by then, so we'll figure something out. Hopefully we can get that out on time for you. And uh, until then, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.